Welcome to StoryWise, the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate, and inspire you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. My name is Jen Grisanti. I am the story career consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a writer's consultancy designed to help you accomplish your writing goals and reach your career destination through one-on-one consults, seminars, and teleseminars. And I am very excited to have with me as my guest today, Gina Lucida Mon- Monreal. Monreal? Monreal. Monreal. Um, you know, so I love your name. I have such a beautiful name. Um, Thank let me you. tell you, Gina is currently on NCIS, the hit show on CBS that gets ratings, that just blows everybody's minds. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about Gina. Uh, Gina spent five years writing, acting, directing, and producing in the Chicago theater community. Her play, Jack in the Box, was produced at the Chicago Shakespeare Theater, and she co-founded infamous Commonwealth Theater, a nonprofit theater. A year of research on the captive elephant resulted in Gina's play, Big Dreams, which received multiple productions and was supported by grants from the Culture and Animals Foundation and Illinois Arts Council. Gina recently earned her MFA through USC's Writing for Screen and Television program and participated in the NBC, CBS, and National Hispanic Media Coalition TV writing programs. Through last year's ABC TV Writing Fellowship, she was staffed on Brothers and Sisters, where she co-wrote three episodes. Currently, Gina is thrilled to be staffed on CBS's NCIS. Good stuff. (laughs) All right, I'm like the proud mama. (laughs) it's, It's so... Incredible. Um, Gina and I, I was the writing instructor when Gina was a finalist in Writers on the Verge. An excellent instructor at that, thank I must you. say. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. I loved that group. I loved, and I remember every week, like, your voice just, I remember your voice blew me away. Like, I remember, I, I still remember in your script that I love, and this is good for you people to know, like Gina comes from a playwriting background, as as I mentioned, and like her words in her action lines are, are, are just unbelievable. It really makes such a difference in having your writing stand out. I remember an action line uh, where you'd have to read the script to have it all in context, but when you had written that the she read the classified ads and they and they glared back at her or whatever. I was like, oh my god, I love that. I love that. And it was that it, it was things like that where I think your writing has such a poetic and lyrical um, tone to it that makes it stand out. And would you say that's mostly from your playwriting background? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Before that, I wrote some poetry, and I think I've always just loved words right and so when I'm writing anything it's really to me kind of a love affair with words oh I love that so um so yeah even the action lines to me are fun and I like to to stretch them as and use them as much as I can yeah no I I I think it makes subtext too 
You're very good at subtext, and, and, and I think that is another huge thing in writing. Tell me about your experience of the five years that you spent acting, writing, directing, and producing. Do you miss any of that now? Are you do Are you still practicing all of it? No, okay. I do miss it. It's yeah. I I have uh, my BFA in acting. Wow! Great. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be an actor. And um, right after my uh, undergrad, I moved to Chicago and. Uh, started a theater company with some of my theater friends and you know acted and and it was such fun but then uh, after writing my first play and that was my first short play was Jack in the Box the one that you mentioned right after seeing that one on stage uh, and you know sitting in the audience and seeing someone else's interpretation of it and the actress who played the main role her interpretation of the words I realized that this was it. I fit in that box better right. than than the actor box. That's a good trigger moment. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it was a really a good trigger moment because uh-huh. I think you know the the I I work with many um, actor writers and and it's really I think um, working behind the scenes as a writer seems to me of all the jobs. The most empowering because uh-huh. you create everything that's the exactly. other jobs need to do. They need exactly. to have your words first. Exactly. Yeah. No one can tell you you can't yeah. write. And yeah. as an actor, you're kind of waiting in a way for yeah. a director to need an actor or for a script. Or you could just do a monologue in your apartment. And I did that a lot. But it's not right. the same as no one can tell you you can't sit down and, and write what you want to write or what's in your head so no one can stop you from creating and that's, I think that is great yeah. I think that's great and I definitely want to talk about uh, so many things with your staffing experience um, you have a as I mentioned very poetical poetic and lyrical tone to your voice and playwriting has been a part of that with regards to your voice what other way would you describe like when you started to recognize your voice when when I started yes. to recognize do you feel like you understand what your voice is I feel like I do now yeah yeah and what how would you describe it uh I think it's very on uh, sort of well connected to my experiences even though yes. like now I'm writing on NCIS and I have nothing to do with criminal investigation or anything like that but I feel like as soon as I can find the end to how it relates to something in my life, then I can write it. Right. Um, so to me, my voice is about somehow sneaking my experiences in there in, in whatever love- way I can. Now, on that note, which I didn't ask this question, I didn't give you this question before, um, I know you have a fascinating backstory. Can you share some of that? And And this is good for everybody to understand, like, I think because your your backstory is is so strong in an emotional way, how that how you are able to access that and use it to strengthen you as a writer. Yeah, I think I've had, you know, like like all people, I've had a lot of uh, difficult times in my life and I've learned how to sort of turn that into a positive or how to use that in my writing. So when I when I am able to tap into that, I feel like then is when my voice can can really Surfaces. shine shine through. Yeah. Right. So um 
I I have, you know, trials in my background like like everybody else and I think it's about uh not n- not being afraid to use that in your yes. writing, which is what you were saying. Yes. Um I had uh, had a brother who died at an early age before his time and I think using that in my writing has not only helped me to, you know, deal with that situation, but also has elevated my writing in a way that that it couldn't be otherwise, because I think it can enable people to connect to you in a, in a right. deeper way. I think you are so right. Like, I remember as soon as I heard your story, uh, it it was so amazing for me to see at what points in your script I felt it surfacing mm-hmm. in ways. And so I think that is such a great thing for everyone to recognize. Storyline, definitely adding fiction to your truth. I go through that in my book, and it's all about recognizing the gift of writing is that all your gold lies within. Mm-hmm. And it's just learning how to bring that to the page mm-hmm. and know how to add fiction to it. Right. So, yeah, that is huge. Um, when you first came to L.A., what process did you go through to get as connected as you are today what was that journey uh well it was a little easier for me than I think it could be for someone who was moving out just cold because I didn't know anybody but which was difficult right (laughs) but I was going to school so I had kind of an instant group of friends who became my family. Right. Uh, because, yeah, because in that program, there are only, I think, 30 people in our class. So we had classes together all the time. Wow. And, uh, I yeah. That. I went to USA, but you did. I, didn't, I didn't get an MFA there, but I didn't yeah. realize that. So it was two years right. of intense classes right. with people who wanted to do the same thing that I wanted to do. Right. Um, although when I first moved out here, I, I, thought I wanted to write movies, which is still an interest, but I didn't realize how much I would love TV. I never really considered TV right? until I had a class in TV. Right. Um, so I was, I had it a little easier, I think, than yeah. someone who was just moving out here on their own, trying to break into the business because right. I had that instant Well, that's connection. good advice for people. Uh-huh. I mean, the idea of applying to MFA programs mm-hmm. in the area so that you have an immediate community right. that you're going to grow through the business with. How are other people in your class doing? They're doing yeah. well. Yeah. They're doing really well. Good. A couple of them are staffed as well. And right. a lot of them are moving their way up the assistant trackway. Right. So, Good. Um, yeah. And we're all still you know, the, the really close. Yeah. My friends oh. who were really close yeah. in, in uh, the program are still my really good friends now. Oh, I think that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Because this can be a very isolated yes. town for the writer. <laughs> yes. So, it, yeah, that's an important thing to find your circle. Right. Yeah, I think that's great. When you were a finalist in Writers on the Verge and then for and CBS and the Hispanic, <laughs> what's that, National Hispanic? NHMC. Yeah, uh-huh. that one. And and then ABC. Yes. How, how <laughs> would you say, my gosh, you were in every one. I love that. I know. How would you say these writing programs contributed to your success right now? They each contributed in, in a different way, yeah. which is the great thing about doing. I, I am so lucky that I got the opportunity to do each and every one of those programs because they each gave me something different. So that's something I would say to everybody is apply to whatever you can. Um, I mean, they were so very different, but 
you know, when you were talking about the NBC program, that one sticks out to me because Yay. it, for me, was the most emotional program because right. it was, for me, com- me coming into my voice and realizing that I had something to say and that maybe somebody wanted to listen to it. Yeah. Um, and also with that one, it, it was, for me, the deadlines because the deadlines were really quick and that's how it is yes. in, in the real world. And- See, I love for people to hear that because I have a StoryWise teleseminar mm-hmm. that has the same deadlines and yeah. and you can tell people that's how, like some people will say, writing writing two scripts in 10 weeks, I mean, that seems so difficult, but that's what it is. That's what it is, yeah. yeah. And sometimes you don't know, you get pulled into a script you didn't know you were going to have to write, and right. you just have to be able to turn it on like that and, you know, produce what needs to be done by the end of the week. So for me, it taught me that I could write faster than I thought I could write, oh, that's you great. know, and, and I never thought I'd be able to finish those things yeah. that were due, but I did, you know, so yeah. that. For me, was yay writers on the yay verge. writers on the verge, <laughs> totally. But each program gave me something different. You know, with ABC, I got to be on Brothers and Sisters, and yes. I was staffed, and I was in a room when I was never in a room before. That's fantastic. Um, with CBS, I they brought in a lot of guest speakers, and it was really focused on how do you present yourself in an interview, how do you um, brand yourself, right? Um, so there was that. Yeah, Carol's great with all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was great, and then. And the NHMC um, was really, it was perfect timing because that one was really a nurturing environment. Right. And I felt like after that one, I was ready to go out and, and be criticized and be okay with it. Right. And so, um, and that one we got to meet and interact with a lot of the ABC people. Um, so it was a great networking experience. Too. Also, there is a strength in every program. I've, I've yeah. known that every program has its strength, but I love the way you put it. Uh-huh. So that that's a personal perspective. Yeah. Having been there. Exactly. So I think that's great. Yeah. I also have to say with each program, the people I met who were going through the programs with me, that was one of the most amazing gifts too, because those people, like the USC people, a lot of them I'm still in touch with, oh, and we're sort of going through the same things yes. at the same time. Yeah. And it's really nice to have someone who's who knows what you're understands what you're going through, but is not on the same show as you. Right. And you can call them and say, "This happened to me today. Yes. Has this ever happened to you? And oh, what, what I do love I do?" That. Yeah. So again, it's the community exactly. and the circle that you create. Yeah, I would say the thing I love about um, Writers on the Verge, and I was a mentor in the CBS program, is the the immediacy of the intimacy with the yeah. group uh-huh. dynamic. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So because you all in NBC, it's because you're all under these crazy deadlines yes. that it immediately bonds you. Yes. And, it, and it really is. No, that's interesting. I remember um, a writer on Facebook writing in and saying, if you get somebody again on the program um, who's gone through the writing programs, could you ask them to speak toward advice you would give to writers like tips that they learn that help get them into the programs oh okay um yeah I think well your writing is really important and 
one thing I would say is proofread, proofread, because it's such an easy thing to do and to get a friend to proofread again, because it's so easy to read your stuff a million times and you don't see that it's missing a word or everybody, everybody does that. And it's such an easy thing to fix. Right. And it irks a lot of people. And a lot of people are reading your submissions when you're you know, submitting to these to these programs, it's not just one person reading it. So if it turns one person off, that might, you know, really hurt your chances. Right. Um, the other thing I would say when you're writing in the spec is to, again, write from personal experience. Uh, the spec that I had the most success with was one that I, again, put my, my personal experience into. Um, Which was for what show? It was for Dexter, and that okay. was what got me into Writers on yeah, the Verge. Yeah, I remember it. And, and it, it was what got me staffed on NCIS, oh, even though great. it was an old right. sample. Right, um, I'm pretty sure that's the one he read. Yeah. Uh, but again, the the idea of, of putting yourself into it, for me, uh, just quickly, it was about Dexter and his uh, his killing shirt. He wears the same shirt every time he yep. kills somebody, I which I noticed it. from watching the show. He wears that tight green kind of, uh, I don't know what you call that, like a Henley kind of shirt. Right. Um, and I noticed that every time he killed, he had that shirt. So I I thought about it. How can I work this into my, into my spec? And I had a shirt that I wore all the time uh, to bed, and it was it was pretty much falling apart. And I uh, put it in the dryer one day, opened up the dryer, and it was just torn to shreds. And I felt horrible. And I was like, what is my problem? It's just a shirt. And then I remembered that my brother, who I mentioned earlier, had took me out just on an ordinary day. He he rode a Harley. And so he took me to the Harley store and said, pick out a shirt. And that was a shirt I picked out. And it was just, it, it, it kind of, mm. I knew that it was from my yeah. brother, but I didn't really think about why it yeah. upset me so much that it was torn yeah. to shreds. So I thought, well, how could I, you know, incorporate, incorporate that, that into in, yeah. into my Dexter and that's what I ended up doing and I th- I really that do think stood out I think that's way. why people yeah. responded to it because yeah. it came from well a place, and even the you know. symbolism of that arc like you didn't just use it in one place like you threaded it throughout right if I remember correctly uh-huh. right yeah and see that's what I think really makes writing stand out when you can take theme message symbolism mm-hmm. and really take it a step beyond right and, and in that instance I wasn't telling you know my life story I was t- taking one little thing that I could connect to and putting it in a Dexter and that made it so much easier for me to write because I understood how he would feel if if that shirt of his got right. ruined and that's what happened you know in the episode I love that you shared that <laughs> I do because I think it's so important for people to hear how to do it. Like mm-hmm. so many people just skip over and oh yeah, I had a Dexter that got me a lot of attention and then I got staffed, but they but they don't give insight on this is what seemed to make it stand out to people. I think that's yeah. what it was. It was I yeah. would say that definitely had a huge part to do with it. I mean, I think you also had a very good story in there that that kind of complemented. And and so I think I, I I know I look for things like how well does the writer understand how to use theme symbolism and message, uh-huh. and that is definitely a strength for you. 
um, with brothers and sisters. So tell me what, like your first day on that show, going through the ABC program, <laughs> what was that like? It was terrifying. I can imagine. <laughs> it was I can imagine. absolutely terrifying. Yeah. I couldn't sleep the night before. I had never been in a writer's room. I didn't know what to expect. I knew that everyone who was going to be there had been there before, even though there were other staff writers on that show. They had been assistants before, or another um, another guy had gone through the ABC program, so he had been there the year before. So I, uh, everyone there had either been on that show or a show before. Right. And so I right. felt just terrified. Um, and how was the group to you? Like knowing that you're one of the people on the programs, did, did you feel that like helped them be more open to it? Or did you feel like that was a hindrance? I felt that they were open to me. And a lot of it had to do with, the gentleman I mentioned before, Michael right. Cinquamati, who had okay. been through the program before and was a rock star. Right. And they loved having him. And great. so they thought, look, here's a he pretty, paved the way. He paved yeah. the way. Oh, that's so I'm, great. you know, forever grateful for him because they really welcomed me because of that. Right. Um, but I still felt like I had to prove myself. And I did. I think any writer has to prove themselves. And yes. that's, you know, that going in and that's what makes you so nervous. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was intimidating because it was a large group and a loud group, and I'm not that. Yeah. And I think um, it's important to know that even if you aren't as boisterous or loud as everybody else, it doesn't mean you can't be in a writer's room. It right. just means you have to know when to talk and yep. that you have to know that what you're saying is going to make a difference or that it's going to really contribute to what's, to what's going on. And did you feel like you made mistakes to come into that recognition? Or did you feel like you understood the temperament of the room and were able to, through your experience uh, of the writer programs and everything else, to kind of make wise decisions? I felt like at first I wasn't saying enough. Right. I don't know if that's true or not. Right. I honestly don't. I still don't know if that's right. true. But, but that's, that's how I felt. But that's mind for staff writers. Yeah. Because... They either get le let go because they don't say enough mm -hmm. or because they say too much. Right. Yeah. Right. So and for me, at the very beginning, I felt discouraged because I felt like my mind couldn't work that fast. Right. And I felt like I would never be able to do that because they were pitching like wildfire. <laughs> like really? it was so fast. And by the time I would think of something for that, you know, train of thought, they'd be on to something else. Wow. And so I felt like I don't I don't know if this is for me because I because you're so used That's to honest. having, yeah. you know, those yeah. weeks to, to just make your little outline perfect in your own little computer space. And it's just totally different when you get into that room. It's but fast paced. Very yeah. fast paced. But I can say that your mind starts to work that fast. Yeah. If you, you know, if you are calm like and, you know, yeah. you just let things happen. Yeah. It, I think that my... You learn. Yeah, you learn. You learn yeah. how to jump in there. Oh, I think that's great. How did the writer's room work on Brothers and Sisters? Um, it was one big room. Mm -hmm. We usually didn't split off. Sometimes we did. Uh, but it was... It, it was very, very much everyone had a voice. So, oh, I love that. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a hierarchy no, of, oh, no. great. Um, so that allowed me to speak when I felt like I had an idea. But right. like I said in the beginning, I felt like I didn't have enough ideas. What I figured out later is that 
I think the only one who really cares about how much you say or is really honed in on you is you. Right. Everybody else is worried about themselves and, you know, they're into whatever's going on. No one's, as a staff writer, I think no one is really paying that much attention to you. Right. And as long as you can come up with a few good things or do or, or you know, knock a, a um, an outline out of the park if you can do one good thing they'll be like this person is amazing because they aren't for me at least I, f- I realized that they weren't expecting that much out of me right you know but it's interesting that you say that I remember one writer when I said what kind of advice do you have for writers and he said recognize one thing that you're really good at and focus on that mm-hmm Instead of trying to be all over the place. That's good, and yeah. Try, and I thought that was such a great piece of, of advice, uh-huh. you know. So you're definitely speaking toward that. Um, how fast was the process in breaking the concept between concept, outline, script? For brothers and sisters? Yeah. Uh, that's hard to say because we would be in the room as a group for a while yeah. breaking the story. And then sometimes it would change and we'd have to go back and and with brothers and sisters it was really complex because of all the characters and we had to service each character so if one story got thrown out for whatever reason we had affected the whole episode it affected the entire episode so we might have to go back and re-break um what happened on one of my episodes on brothers and sisters was we finished we got to the outline we finished the outline and the network didn't want to do that decided they didn't want to do the story in that way right and so my co-writer molly newman who is an amazing woman and an amazing writer um i was partnered with her on this episode we came in on the weekend and rebroke the thing in in a day rewrote the outline the next day and then you know you usually have i think we had like a week and a half to write that that whole wow yeah see this is good for everyone to hear (laughs) because i would say on average like when i think it's a current executive i would say on average going from story concept to outline to script was anywhere from two to three weeks three weeks yeah which is quick it's really quick quick yeah and then you certainly have your stories like you're talking about where they say you have two to three days yeah. to turn the whole thing around. Right, So right. I, I think that's really good for people to understand that. Who were your favorite characters on Brothers and Sisters, and who did you identify the, with the most? My favorite character, I think, is Nora Walker, the Sally Field character, um, because she's almost exactly like my mother. And right. my mother would say that all the time. Oh, Nora, I totally get why she's doing this or that. And writing her was super easy for me because I just had to write my mom. You know? oh, <laughs> I love that. So you are yeah. the expert at drawing from your life. I love that. <laughs> I also liked Kevin, Kevin Walker. Um, yeah, I like Kevin's character too. Because he's so hard and soft. Like his his... His delivery, you know, his sarcasm was so... He had such an edge to him, but he was also so sensitive. Right. And I, I like characters that have that kind of... Those kind yeah, of like, I would agree with you. Yeah, so he no, was really fun I like that. 
I like. What about Callista? How was she, how was her character to write for? Her character was fun to write for because we did some interesting things right. with her that season, right. and it was fun to have her be single, yes. kitty again. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it was fun to get that sort of romantic comedy back because she's so good at, right. at doing that. I agree. So, yeah. No, it is that would I'd say is her voice. Uh huh. Yeah. And then you know, and this is a good thing for people to hear. Like I, I will have people say, "Well, how do you use your own voice in a spec?" script or how do you go and staff on somebody else's show and use your voice and I'll I'll try to explain to them that your voice is everything that makes you stand out as a writer and Mm -hmm. you are hired for your voice Mm -hmm. and you can definitely infuse your voice within somebody else's vision of a show Mm -hmm. how would you say you you did that from drawing from your life definitely Mm -hmm. Um, writing about your mom I love that yeah yeah, on brothers and sisters, I think for me, I would write. I would write a scene. I would type it out really fast, right. you know, and and just whatever whatever came to my mind, I would write the bits of information that I knew had to come out in that scene. But then when I went back to rewrite it, I tried to write the lines like. Like I like only I would like only I would write it, I guess, is right. what I would say. Right. You know, yeah, there's a certain way that you or anybody would say a certain something. Yeah. And trying to sort of get in touch with how you as a unique person might say, well, I'm going to go take a shower now. Yeah. You know what I yes. mean? I do. So know there are exactly like 18 million ways to say yeah. that. Yeah. And sometimes infusing your own voice can be like one line in a scene. Yeah. Usually, and it's funny because I would say, like, I, when I look at shows, like, say, for example, The Good Wife, and I know, like, what voices on that show for me stand out. Uh huh. So I know when their episodes come on that more likely than not, I'm going to be more drawn to those voices uh-huh. because I know those voices. And even though on some shows very often and, and definitely on on The Good Wife, the showrunners are, are one of those voices that are stand out. But on some shows, the showrunner isn't the voice that stands out. There are other voices that could stand out even more, mm-hmm. um, which isn't negating or, or diluting the importance of the showrunner because I, I think showrunners who can um, surround themselves with talented writers and fuel that within their own vision mm-hmm. is also a gift mm-hmm. of being a showrunner, you know. Um, all right, so with that, we are going to take a break, and then when we get back, we are going to jump into NCIS. And some of your own personal experience as a writer and advice that you have to give. Uh, We are speaking with Gina Lucida Monreal of NCIS, and we will be right back. You're listening to StoryWise with entertainment consultant Jen Grisanti. StoryWise is a podcast designed to give you the story behind the people who tell stories, offering you insight on what it takes to work as a writer in television and film. Hear this and other podcasts on www.jencrisanticonsultancy.com, a full-service writer consultancy committed to guiding your vision. We are back with Gina Lucida Monreal. Um, so NCIS, uh, one of the highest-rated shows on network TV. It might be the highest. Rated. It is. It is, isn't <laughs> it? It is the number one show on TV. <sighs> Okay, I know, crazy, crazy, (laughs) insane. So I used to cover the show when I was at CBS Paramount, 
Um, so it's great for me to see you be a part of this very talented staff and, and uh, this incredible show. What would you say, like going in when you're comparing your experience with Brothers and Sisters versus NCIS. Tell me a little bit about the differences in how both shows, the writer rooms, and the approach to story. The shows are completely different. Right. Um, I, 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 they couldn't be more different, in fact. Uh, NCIS doesn't have a writer's room, which for me, I, I didn't I even know about how that, that would I happen. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to be honest, when staffing season was happening, my agents asked me, you know, what shows are you really gunning for? And I said, you know what? I'd be happy on any show but a procedural. And <laughs> and they said they said okay we won't put you up for procedural and I said great because I don't I can't I don't I wouldn't know the first thing about how to write it and uh, a couple weeks later I get a call you have a <laughs> meeting for NCIS and I said I don't want to be in a procedural they said just go it's the number one show on TV um, Gary Glassberg runs the show he's supposed to be amazing just go to the meeting. And um, I watched a few of the episodes, and I did see that it has a lot of character in it for a lot of character. Yeah. Yeah. And I I instantly was drawn to that. And then uh, after meeting with Gary, who is an amazing person, and uh, I realized that this is where I was supposed to be. And I hope that he wanted me there, too. Um, So it just goes to show that you really have to be open to Every opportunity that that comes your way, I never in a million years would have said that I wanted to be on procedural, but this has been such an incredible experience, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Isn't that interesting? Because you wrote a Dexter, yes, which can definitely be perceived yes, but as a character-driven procedural. Yeah, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yes. that is interesting. It's funny too that you say that because I remember when I got the job at CBS Paramount, and I was told that NCIS was going to be one of the shows I covered, and it had only been on a year at that time, mm-hmm. and um, I had to watched like 20 episodes in a weekend. And the thing that I I think that I found so fascinating about it was formula-wise, I almost felt that um, the procedural part of the episode was, say, uh, 30 to 40%. Mm -hmm. And it was more about... How the what banter mm-hmm. the case brought into mm-hmm. the characters. That's exactly yeah. right, and I think that's why the show is popular. Yeah. I think the fans on for the show are insane. Yeah, they are wonderful, and yes. they. I love the they, characters. They I care so the much characters. for these characters, yeah. and I think that's why. Yes. That's absolutely and Mark right. Harmon, I love and adore. Yes. Love Mark. Is... Quarterback. <laughs> like, his brand is the quarterback. Like, that is what he is through life. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, he is just a very kind and yes. caring person. He welcomed me, you know, oh, from the I first day that. that I 
that I got there. Yeah. He came into my office and said, welcome, and gave me T-shirts. And um, last week, he he uh, framed my credit and had everyone in the cast sign it. And oh, gave it to my, my God. To, to me to hang in my office. Which oh, is, I like, love Mark. It's, it's unheard of for, yes. you know, the star of a yes. show to do something like That's that. That's why I say, like, the quarterback is part of his brand. Like, it is. I look at Mark, and I think I, – I remember um, having – experiences um, with just connecting with him in a way that I saw why the show ran as well as it did Mm -hmm. because it started with him. Yes, he definitely sets the tone. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I love to hear that. That's wonderful. Um, Now, okay, so what is it like? You talked about writer room-wise. They don't have a room. So how frightening was that for you at first? It was was pretty scary because, again, I felt like I didn't know how to write a procedural. And um, one thing that Gary said to me in the interview, which I've kept close to my heart, is that he said, uh, it's okay if you feel like you don't know how to write a procedural. It's that's the math. And I can teach math. What I can't teach is character. Ah. And so he said, either you have that or you don't. Right. And so I felt like I have to believe in what he's saying and yeah. that I could learn the math, even though math is not my strong suit. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, I like the way he put it, though. He did. He it's almost it. like the logic. Like, I remember when I was staffing numbers and uh-huh. people and writers would freak out because they'd be like, I don't know how math is not my forte. Uh-huh. And I said, that's not what it is. Yeah. It's about the story. Uh-huh. We have math consultants uh-huh. that come in with uh-huh. all that. So I love that he said that. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on NCIS, everyone has a whiteboard or two in their office and you really break the story, your own story in your own office. But all the writers are on the same floor. All of our offices are in a row. And there is such a a strong and fun community with those writers. Um, Everyone pulls other people into their office. Let me pitch this to you. What do you think? Um, How can I do a different kind of twist here? So it's never like you're on your own. Right. Um, And for my episode, Gary really really helped me out i mean he your episode was that sh- thank you yeah, he shepherded really me through that and he really took the time to explain um why it should be this way instead of that way um he has been an amazing mentor for me in your episode i found too like you took risks like there well, i felt he like let me take yeah, yeah you did tell the audience the concept for your episode Uh, So the idea is that um, there's a Marine transport that is coming from Afghanistan carrying um, bodies of fallen soldiers, and that plane goes down in a plane crash. And uh, what ends up happening is that one of the uh, Marines listed as on board in one of those caskets was actually not on board. So we're trying to track her down, um, following clues both here in D.C. and then in Afghanistan. And it was the first part of a, of a two-part episode. I loved. I absolutely loved it. And it, it reminded me of a documentary that I saw. And I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the documentary that had to do with a military scenario where um, one guy shepherded a body home and had to tell the family mm. and all and it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is so powerful. Uh, I loved, and I thought your act breaks were great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, go Gina, that's great. Um, what is now, um, 
how about the humor? Because you're a drama writer. So mm -hmm. how was it going into a show where humor is a very big part of the uh -huh. banter? I actually loved that part of it. Uh, my plays, in comparison to what I usually write right. uh, for my specs or, or writing for TV, are much lighter and right. surreal um, and have a lot more humor than than my other writing. So it was fun to, to go back to that that place of just fun banter. And, um, you know, NCIS has a very special tone in that it can go from so, so dark yeah. to so light in in just a second. Right. And it's really difficult to write. It's it's a really difficult show to it write. Is. It's Because you it could go from like somebody a, dying yes. one moment to a joke happening yes, the next. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's a very special tone. And I think that's another reason why people are drawn to it because there's not a lot of other shows that can do that. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was very fun to, to be able to go from that light to that dark because I feel like that's a lot of my personality. Yeah. And I didn't realize that going in, um, how much of, you know, my own sense was in that show, loving the light humor, but also I like to go really dark. Yeah. So it's that spectrum that is really interesting to me. Oh, as a I like that. Uh, Cody and Michael are actually very fun characters to write, too. They so are. Looking at the they are. relationship uh -huh. between all three of the main characters is great. Um, and uh, now your playwriting, it's interesting, and, and I, I, I definitely want to ask a little bit more about NCIS, but your playwriting, um, do you still use your plays staffing-wise and stuff? Like I Not feel really. Really? Mm -mm. But the reason is, and I think that plays are a great sample to have. I do, too. I think that if you I've can write a play. I've staffed many playwrights, yeah. Because people love to read them, yeah. you know? And I agree. And I think they don't come at them with so much judgment because yes. there aren't the rules, the act-outs, you know? Right. It's not the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and they're the just voice fun to read. comes alive. Yeah, in the exactly. Play. You can it do really whatever does. you want. Yeah. Yeah. I think a voice really comes alive in a play. Yeah. The reason that mine I don't use for staffing is because they are so surreal that right. sometimes it's hard for people to translate that right. to, to a television TV show. writing. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, but you I, and what's in your writing portfolio right now? What scripts? Um, I have so I have a bunch of specs and right. I have uh, two pilots. Good. I, yeah, and yeah. I have a feature. Great. So I have you know a, a variety of things, but you it's like you never feel like it's enough. I right. still am working on a feature and a pilot. So that's great. Um, that's the other thing I think is the most important thing for a writer is, is like I said, you know, no one can stop you from writing, and the most important thing is to just keep writing. Yeah. I know I remember like when I would staff shows and I would meet with a writer who had been on a show for five years and they had nothing new that they had written. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting on the agents and saying, you have to tell your people they have to keep writing yeah. because we don't read current executives don't read produced right. episodes because right. we don't know how many hands got into that episode exactly you yeah. never know you don't and mm. i think um emotionally too it's really important for you to keep writing your own things because part of the frustrating part about writing for tv sometimes is like you said yeah Sometimes you're rewritten, mm -hmm. and uh, and sometimes it has most nothing. Most of the times you're well, rewritten. Yeah, it's, and most of the time it has nothing. It, it yeah. may have nothing to do with whether it was good or bad. Maybe yeah. it was just not the tone they were looking yes. for. 
but it's and, and you get n- a lot of notes from a lot of different places and that can be frustrating yeah. because you just want to write what you want to write yes and I think it's really important for your emotional health as a writer to write your point. own yeah stuff and have yeah. nobody telling you yes or no yeah it's how you grow because you're learning I mm-hmm. mean even when I, I think what people don't realize is when you're being rewritten and I can't tell you how many egos I saw deflated through that process and rather than recognize rather than feel like um, it's making you less than it's not making you less than it really is the showrunner doing his or her job right. and keeping the tone and right. everything in alignment because they're the ones that has to answer to the network exactly and very often you will hit showrunners where the ego is involved and it is about pissing on the script and giving um, putting their stamp on the script but I would say for the most part it isn't about that mm-hmm. it's more about keeping the show consistent mm-hmm. you know and and I and I think when you keep writing your own stuff then you're applying the tools of what you learn there but then being able to have your own freedom exactly to really explore so mm-hmm. I think that's great um Okay, now your episode, uh, what was it like when it first aired? So this was your first episode. So her two episodes for Brothers and Sisters were both co-written. Yes. Yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. So this was your first individual episode where your name was on it. Uh How was that experience? It was really fun because uh, it's my dad's favorite show. He's seen every episode from, you know, the very first episode nine seasons ago. And so for him, it was such a big deal you right. know it was it, they were my Aww. parents were just so where are your parents happy. from milwaukee oh great they're so still there they're still there right so i think all of milwaukee was watching oh, <laughs> but, awesome. so that was a really fun part that's what i found about the ratings that was interesting is even though the show wasn't hugely popular in la and new york it was like middle america yeah it was number one all over exactly. the place. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So that is really fascinating. Um, what would you say inspired you to write in the first place? So you told me about your breakthrough moment uh-huh. and recognizing the words. But uh-huh. what would you say when you think about your life moments, losing your brother and other life moments that you've had where you kind of had a moment where you're like, I really have something to say? Yeah. I think... For me, it's just about, it's just how I deal with things, yeah. you know, it's just how I process things mm-hmm. and, and it's sort of cathartic. It lets me move on. I, I, I think that it's, I don't know what I would do if I didn't do that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's almost like I have to. Yeah. You know, when people say, oh, you're, you're always writing or you're always doing something. To me, it's not really like a choice. It's, right. It's like, I wouldn't know what to do otherwise. See, and that is a very, very truthful statement. I've had clients say to me when things were getting tough, um, Jen, you've read thousands of scripts. Should I even be doing this? Yeah. And I, I, remember, <laughs> I had this question posed to me in different ways several times, and my answer was always the same. Um, my answer was always, only you can answer that question. And the right. fact that you're even asking it you have to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. My breakdown moments have always yeah. been, you know, when I was trying to get staffed for those years, the breakdown moments were always, I 
don't know how to do anything. I can't do anything else and be happy. And right. that was like the, That's the huge. point, you know, that's not, when, you know, uh-huh. this is my path. There is yeah. no other path. So I need to learn all the tools to really perfect this path right. because this is what I'm meant to be doing. Right. Yes. No, I think that's great. How did you get your agent? Uh, my agent, I got through the programs. I, I got my agent in, in sort of in Who between, with again? uh, William Morris. That's right. Uh, in between. William Morris and Dever. <laughs> WME. WME. Yes. Um, I got my agent just as the ABC program was starting and just as the NBC program was ending. That's right. I remember. So they got my material through both of those programs. <laughs> I know that. That's right. I do know that. I, I'm glad for the refresher. I was like, I was like, hmm, I'm trying to remember. There was heat on you, actually, though, too, because you were one. You were, I mean, all, all eight writers were great, but you were definitely one of our standout writers. So I, I do know that there were many agencies after you. So I Aww. think that is, uh, that is great. And, and that's also good advice for people to know that, and, and today I would say the climate's even harder. Today, really? many of those big agencies will not really? sign brand new writers. Ugh, yeah. It's just so yeah. hard. They want, like, I've even, I even have one of the big agencies say to me, Jen, it's no longer even that the writer has to get their first job. It is more that the writer has to be invited back for the second Oh, year. my gosh. And yeah. I thought, wow. I thought it's... it's gotten so, which is why I think it's so important to um, equip the writer to think like an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and to recognize that you can still get work without an agent mm-hmm. and you can make relationships mm-hmm. that can lead to a job without representation mm-hmm. and and then the representation comes exactly and so it really is learning how to work the system mm-hmm. how would you say being a diversity writer um contributes to your voice contributes to your strength in the room um you're moving past being known as the diversity writer would you say i think so yeah, yeah. i yeah. don't really feel that i'm the diversity right i'm not a diversity writer right on the show, and i don't feel that i'm seen that way right um but to me it's the same as anything that makes you unique yeah and you want to use that in the yeah. room because you can bring a, a different perspective and that's valuable yes um because culturally, you probably draw from your background, yeah, uh-huh, clearly. Uh-huh. Yeah. But for me, it's it's been interesting because I grew up a certain way, just like everybody else yeah. did. And I can bring that right. idea right. Um, to an episode, um, just like the, the last, this, this NCIS episode. Um, the character who is missing is Hispanic. Her father is Hispanic, but it's not a story point. It's right. just who they are. Yeah. And that's how I see, you know, bringing my background into my writing because it's just a normal person like anyone else who happens to be Hispanic and how that may influence the way they talk or or, or the way they see the world. That's really interesting to me, not bringing like the token Hispanic onto the show. You know what I mean? I think that was very well put. I, I think that's very well put. What would you say are some of the misconceptions that you had going into the writer's room and how you view it now? Ooh, the, what I thought was the writer's room, I guess I, I thought it was going to be a lot 
more structured than it is. It's, right. It's a lot of fooling around, right. which is important. It is. Because you're getting to know the other people. You're getting to trust them and open up to them. And that's where the best stories come from, just like when you're writing your spec. When you feel really comfortable around these 10 other people enough to share a really sort of sensitive or important story from your life, someone goes, well, Kitty needs to do that. Yes. And that's how the episodes come about. Oh, I love that. So, so the so, fooling around time has some, value. And sometimes yeah. it takes an hour of ping pong in order yeah. to get there. Right. <laughs> so right. Um, it's a lot less structured than I thought it would be. And um, it's a lot, like I said, it's a lot faster than yeah. I thought it would be. And yeah. sometimes it's more tedious because you're trying, you have all these brains trying to figure out one little thing. And sometimes it takes a day, right. a full day to do that. And that can seem like forever. And you just want to get out of the past. room. Mm-hmm. You just want to get past that story point. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I, I love the room. I think it's, it's, it's fun and it's challenging. Um, I miss it on the show, but I also see the value of not having it in a show yeah. like this. Yeah. Um, and I'm so I, I'm glad that I'm getting both experiences and yeah. that the writers, you know, in my hallway. Yes. Are just as social as those writers in the writers' room. So that when you're running your own show, <laughs> you can decide what works best. Yeah, maybe I'll do half and half. <laughs> exactly. I like that. I like that. What's it like being a woman in the writer's room? Uh, for me on Brothers and Sisters in the room, it it was it was no different being a Good. woman than a man. They, everyone had an equal voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had so many strong female characters on the show. Right. Sometimes I was the only female in the room. And they would ask me a female type question. Which was good. Which was good. Yeah. Um, And what I would say is that before I got into that room, I was warned by several people about women in the industry, women, female writers, that they can be cutthroat, that they can want to uh, sort of hold other female writers down, that there's sort of this like threatening attitude between female writers. I did not find that to be true at all. And I think a lot of it is the attitude that you bring into the into the room as, Very a, as, good a, point. as a female writer. Yeah. Um, we had a female writing team on Brothers and Sisters along with Molly Newman, who I got to write with. And all three of those writers were... Who was the team? Uh, uh, Sarah Kuserka and Veronica Becker. Oh, great. And then Molly Newman. Great. And uh, all three of they those were women great. were amazing. And, oh, I love to hear that. Yeah, and just supported me, yeah. uh, mentored me. Just amazing women. And yeah. on NCIS Now, we have, I think, nine writers. And it's me and one other female writer. Right. Uh, Nicole Verante Matthews. Yes. And um, she is the same thing. She oh, is an amazing woman. An amazing writer, and she is. I love her so voice. So supportive. She's so yeah. talented. Yeah. So pro female, and yeah. and just from the minute I walked in there was was welcoming. You know. 
But I think you touched on something that's key, and that is it starts with what you bring into the room. I think if I walked in there and felt like Nicole was going to be cold to me and, you know, was going to try to keep me down or whatever people had said to me, I think that, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. So she would have felt that energy from me and maybe shut down herself. Right. You know. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. I love to hear that you've had a positive experience in that realm. Uh-huh. And I and you also mentioned that Gary Glassberg has been a great mentor. So Gary has been amazing. Right. He's taken me into the editing room. I've you know, right. I yeah, gotten to That's see. right. On NCIS you get to be very involved in yes. the whole process. So yeah. it's been wonderful. Um he has just been so willing to take me under his wing and teach me to take the time because he's a really, really busy person. Right. And I think that's that's an important thing. If you can find somebody on the show who's a higher level Huge. writer, if it's the showrunner, great. Even if it's not, somebody who's willing to take the time and mentor you, somebody who, if somebody offers to read your stuff before you hand it to the showrunner, yeah, jump at that. Yeah, you know, yeah. If, if you can get somebody to care about you as a as a person and as a writer to sort of foster you. That, to me, is one of the most important connections to make yes. as, a, as a lower-level writer. I, I think that's great advice. And, and the hard thing is, in this business, I have asked countless writers, who have your mentors been, and gotten these blank looks. <laughs> and these are writers who've worked with a lot of big people. Uh-huh. But they said no one really took them under their wing. Uh-huh. And, and that, for me, is tragic. Yeah. Like I sit there and I think the opportunity to help another person grow through what you've learned and uh-huh. passed on should be something everyone should be open to that experience right. and, and, and really embrace it. So mm-hmm. I, I love to hear men, good, strong mentor yeah, stories. I've been so lucky. Yeah. And, he, and David Marshall Grant, who was the showrunner on Brothers and Sisters. Mm hmm was the same way. I mean, right. he, I just feel like I've been so lucky because yeah. you hear horror stories right. about, yep. you know, staff writers, but I haven't had that experience good. at all. So I would just That's say. That's good for people to hear. Yeah. T- it is. To go so in. It's not being like positive. you had days where, well, I'm sure everyone has days where you want to go home and hide. But oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you for still sure. had those days. Of yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> or but where for, you feel like you're going to be fired every yeah. other day. Yeah. That's yeah. that. You know what? And the thing I say to people, is you have to learn how to use that yep. because that fear never goes away no matter how high you get. I know. I asked one of yeah. our co-EPs that the other day. Does, right. the, does the, Well, I was asking about the feeling when you're about to write a script that you can't write. Like, I, there, there's no way I can do this. It's always the feeling of, but this is harder than anything else I've written. This is totally different and I can't, I know I can't do it. Right. Does that feeling ever go away? And he said, oh, no. No, no, that never yes. goes away. That's what I've heard. <laughs> and I almost feel like, and I had this discussion on my uh, podcast interview, I think it was with Alex Carey from Homeland. I, I almost feel that like showrunners have that fear too because they get so into the managerial process uh-huh. and the administrative process that they get further away from the creative process. Right. And then I think fear comes into... Can I even write uh-huh. as strong an episode as some of my writers can uh-huh. write? Yeah. Yeah, I so, bet. It, yeah. I'm sure it never goes away. It doesn't go away. <laughs> it doesn't go away, but I love to see how people utilize it to drive them forward. Okay, for our last question, and this has been incredible, um, <laughs> what would you say are some gold nuggets, and you have definitely given us some, 
of advice that you would share for someone who wants to be a professional TV writer? I would just say to not stop writing. I mean, that's the most important thing because that's how you learn. And the other thing about being a writer, I think one of the most important things is to know how to take notes. Yes. And and so many people can be a talented, you can be a talented writer, but if you don't know how to take notes, that can really lead to your demise because it's the flip side of being able to write. If you can't take notes in a positive way and if you if you don't know how to turn them into a a revised script, then then there's really no room for success because yeah. you have to be able to take criticism and turn it into something positive. Yes. And you're going to keep getting it no yeah. matter what level All the way you up. are. Yes. So learning how to take notes in a, in a positive way and, right. and learning how to hear the note, you know, and knowing how to take the note, which the, the and fix And even offered. make the note your own. Exactly. Like recognize the note behind the note. Even if you don't agree with the note, there's something that's not working. Exactly. Yeah. Getting to the truth of the note. Maybe yeah. the fix isn't what it, what it should be, but... Yes. Figuring out what the person is really trying to say. Yeah. It's a skill. It is. Um, and you have it. I can uh, tell you that from having worked with you on so. two scripts. I'm yeah. working on it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is your personality. Your yeah. personality is so important. Um, when people are interviewing you for a job, what they really want to know is, can I hang out with this person all day, every day? Yeah. Um, so you have to come alive in there yeah, and make them see yeah. that they can hang out with exactly. you all day, every day. And it's not like a normal job interview. You have to be able to show your personality. Um, you have to be able to be open because they want to know that you'll want to tell your stories and not just, you know, sit on the sidelines. Um, Did you tell your story, any of your story in your meeting with Gary Glassberg? I told him a lot about my family because I, my family, uh, I come from a family of a lot of cops. Yes. So I told yes, him. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Part of your <laughs> so I told him all about my my big family back in Milwaukee, and we talked. To be honest, we didn't talk about the show more than three minutes. Wow. Yeah. See, that's great though. Uh huh. Because that's not what he wants to know about. He knows no. about the show. Yeah, exactly. He wants to know about you. And I was all yeah. prepared with, yes. oh my, char- this character does this. You know, just yeah. I was prepared for that. Right. And we talked about it for three minutes. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. So I do. really bringing your personality to that meeting and bringing and not being afraid to be yourself in the room because they hired you to be yourself. That's mm-hmm. that's what you draw from who yeah. you are as a person. Excellent, excellent advice. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank You've you. Been great. This is fun. This was really fun. <laughs> and I, I'm going to say, like, one thing that stands out about you, as I mentioned to you on the break, is even within an interview, I feel like your voice is very distinct. And and I look for that in podcasts, and I appreciate that. So Aww, that's great. Yeah. Thank you, Jen Grisanti. You got it. My pleasure. <laughs> So with that, we are out and I have a few announcements of upcoming events for uh, Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc. Uh, The first is a new premium story subscription that starts in January. You can go to my website. It is $22.95 a month. And this includes a 15-minute pitch every month, a review of two to five of your log lines, 
uh, weekly you will get story notes you will get a journal notes uh, a day in the life of a consultant you will get podcast notes there will also be a forum uh, where things like situations needed will be explored in any type of discussion that that will create a community of all the writers that are a part of it so this is something I'm very excited about it's all about getting you into a daily practice of writing and Event-wise, I have a seminar uh, called Exploring the Internal Side of Story. It's at the Writer's Store on January 28th. I will be teaching this with Kim Hudson, who wrote the book A Virgin's Promise, which is a feminine look at the hero's journey. Uh, That will be from 2 to 5 on January 28th. You can sign up for that at the Writer's Store. And lastly, I will be teaching at the TV Summit on February 11th and 12th. I will be teaching with Chad Gervich and Ellen Sandler and Troy DeBoyd. We will be covering everything from drama to comedy to production to reality to new media, really covering TV from top to bottom. So it's one that we're all very excited about. You can sign up for it at the tvwriterssummit.com. And you can also go on my website and look under events and seminars. My website is www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Jen Grisanti, and we are out with Gina Lucida Monreal of NCIS. You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. This podcast was recorded at the studios of Icebox Logic.